That's good. Uh, it's good to see all of you here this morning. I'm excited about what the, I'm really not excited about what the Lord has for you this morning, but I'm going to preach it and teach it anyway. Um, I, it's, it's a good message, but I'm going to be a little vulnerable in this message, and, and uh, we're going to discuss some things. We're going to talk about fear this morning and, and how fear, when it's unpacked in us, uh, it causes us to be ineffective for the kingdom. Now, there is a righteous type of fear, and you probably already know what that is. There is a holy fear that we'll talk about this morning, and then there's the reality of just fear that is within us that prevents us from doing God's call in our life. So if you will, join me in a word of prayer, and we'll get started this morning. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for these, your men, for getting them up this morning. Uh, Lord, just as there's a Proverbs 31 woman, um, Lord, these men probably don't like that. There's a Proverbs 31 man, and Jesus, we're going to talk about that man this morning, and and what you've called us to be. Father, and what I mean by that, Lord, you know you honor the Proverbs 31 woman. And I know that you honor men who are humble before you. Uh, Lord, who seek your will above their own. And Lord, as we're here this morning, let us learn more about that. Learn more about you. And most importantly, put it into practice. How we are to live this life, giving you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I grew up uh, on a farm and ranch as most of you know and you've heard me say and I've given a uh, testimony of of how I was raised and who raised me and of course uh, had a had a pretty good life I didn't grow up with a whole lot of fears I don't know if you grew up a fearful young man or a fearful kid or not I had a couple of fears that my brother was very aware of one of them was the fear of the dark and so I don't know if you had a fear of the dark but I had a legitimate fear of the dark no reason we had an old house uh, next to the house that my mom and dad had built and the old house, I don't know, was probably built in the early 1900s, somewhere around there. It had an old cellar out, outside and uh, next to it. And, and within that old house, uh, we had a deep freezer where uh, we kept our beef. And so we didn't go to the grocery store much. I think mom probably went a couple times a month, maybe, maybe a little bit more than that. We didn't eat out on Sundays. Uh, I can still remember the first time. Uh, that I can remember ever going out to eat, as a matter of fact. And, and by that time, I was probably eight or nine years old that I remember. And so we, mom just always cooked at home. And anyway, the whole reason why I bring this point up is because I would have to walk oftentimes at night after dark from our house where we lived over to the old house. There were a lot of trees. There were always owls, it seemed like, up in those trees. There were monsters up in those trees. There were things that uh, just don't live in the city that were out there that were, were doing quite well. And so I would walk out there and, and have to go into the old house, and that old house was decrepit. The floor was falling in. Um, we would have snakes in it uh, in the summertime. The roof was falling in. But the, the very front of that house was the kitchen, and that room was fairly secure and that's where this deep freezer was. And I remember she would tell me, you know how, how moms are, she would say, I want, you know, ground two pounds of ground beef, or I want a roast, or I want something, and I'd have to dig through the beef. So I'd basically, as a kid, have to climb in the freezer, and it was a big chest-type freezer, and kind of dig through there. And a lot of times, I didn't even grab the right meat, because I just knew whatever monster lurked in the next room was coming in there to see who was in the freezer. And so I would grab that beef and I'd just come running. Just whatever it was, I'd come running as fast as I could. And it was probably, I don't know, it's probably 75 yards, 100 yards. And I probably could have beat most of the men at the combine, you know, because I was coming back and I was running hard. 
uh, usually with the wrong beef because something was coming after me. And sometimes my brother understood this fear, and he would find himself around behind one of those trees, and uh, just my, re you know, my thoughts would become reality as he would jump out and scare me, you know, and, and, and then uh, he, would he would hide in the hallway many times as I was going to bed, and he would jump out and, and scare me to death. I just had this real sense, this fear of the dark. Now, I like nighttime most of the time now. I don't really have a genuine fear of the dark. Matter of fact, as I was putting this together, I was trying to think of some of the fears that I have today and looking at how much they've changed. You know, one of the fears today, I have a fear for the church. It's a genuine fear for the church that uh, it seems now we have to, instead of people coming to honor God, people are begged to come and even seek Him. And I have a fear for what the church looks like, not just today, but a fear for what the church possibly might look like for tomorrow. As we see our culture changing, as we see the church changing, as we see churches that are definitely no longer adhering or much less upholding the Word of God as that, as the truth of God, I have a fear for the people, the sheep. You know, if you strike the shepherd, the scripture says what? The sheep will be scattered. And we're seeing sheep that are scattered right now because shepherds no longer hold on to the truth of God. And by the way, there's great warnings in that as well throughout scripture, Old Testament and New. I have a fear this morning sometimes. There's a fear in me, and it's a fear of faith. That, that I'll be in a position where I need to activate faith and instead... I activate the fear that's within me over the faith. In situations and circumstances when they arise, uh, sometimes I have this fear, even as a pastor, sometimes I have a fear that the word that I preach or the word that I teach is, is adulterated instead of unadulterated. I'm trying to, it's kind of like Sunday, if you were here Sunday, just a spoonful of sugar helps what? The medicine go down, right? And I said too often, we as pastors are taking the Word of God and trying to dip it into some kind of sugar, which in, in turn makes it ineffective. We're trying to make it easier for people to taste, easier for it to go down, when in reality, the truth of God is simply that, the truth of God. I have a fear of standing before the Lord someday, and as God looks upon me, the book of Revelation says everything His eyes are like flames of fire, which means that everything around that will actually burn away, melt around, and the true you is what is revealed. What does that look like in me? I have genuine fears that I think are responsible fears. I have a fear for my children that, the, that I told my children last night as we sat around for our devotional, I said, I have a fear for you because more people, the world has more time with you today than I have in the evenings, by far. So that tells me that the world has more opportunity to influence you in the ways of the world than your own father, your own dad. That's a fear in me. I have to pray over that. You'll hear more about that as we prepare for Sunday's sermon. But it's a genuine fear. It's a genuine fear for the next generation. What, what does their life look like? What does it entail? What do the freedoms that we have today that are expressed in our lives what of those will be taken away by the time that they are my age and the time their children are my age? I have some genuine fears and I have some fears that are unrealistic. Every now and then I'll have a bad dream and I'll wake up and it's an it's a unrealistic fear. Usually it's, a, if you want to know what that fear is and that dream is, I have a reoccurring dream that happens time after time. And, and what it is, is I show up at a traditional church that is huge. 
probably four or 5,000 people are in this church. And as I come up to preach, get ready to preach, I don't have my notes. And because it's an old, I think the reason why it's a traditional mainline church is because uh, people in mainline churches, I grew up in a mainline church and being a part, a pastor of a mainline church for a long time, sometimes they have a higher expectation that you're going to present something wonderful. And I don't have my notes. And then I say, I don't need my notes, I just need my Bible. And then I can't find my Bible. And I wake up, my heart's like going, oh, golly, you know, geez, I was about to preach without anything, you know. Well, this is why we should write the Word of God where? On our hearts. You should always have something to say. You should have something. So you got a testimony, right? But I still have that, I have that reoccurring dream, and I wake up, and I'm like, where are my notes? Anyway, uh, maybe it's because I don't have any. But still, there are a lot of genuine fears. There are a lot of realistic fears. But here's the thing. The one fear that we need to have that is true, that is honest, that it's full of integrity is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And, and you men have probably read that. I, I talked about the Proverbs 31 woman in my, in my prayer because in Proverbs 31, it's interesting to me, you know, uh, King Solomon, he's talking about a, a good woman who can find. And the Lord knows he tried with uh, hundreds of wives and concubines. Uh, he went through a lot of them sifting, trying to find a good one. Uh, so he asked a great question there, a good one. But then he goes on to explain kind of what that is and, and what that looks like. And so in funerals, there's only been a couple of funerals that I've actually read that scripture and that I actually will read that scripture because it is so upholding and uplifting of a great, great godly woman. So what about a godly man? Is there a Proverbs 31 man? Well, I believe the Proverbs 31 man starts here. He starts as a man who fears God. Because the beginning of wisdom is the man who fears God. In Psalm 112, it's probably the closest thing i found that explains to some degree what this Proverbs 31 man might look like. Psalm 112. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. His children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. For the gracious and compassionate and righteous man, goodwill will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. In the end, he will look in triumph over his foes. He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be lifted high in honor. The wicked man will see and be vexed. He will gnash his teeth and waste away. The longings of the wicked will come to nothing. I just love this scripture because it reminds us of a couple of things. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. This is where it starts. The, the honest man is a man full of integrity and he can say, I truly, I truly have a fear of of the Lord. See, in Psalm 112, he praises the godly man, not just for fearing the Lord, but also accepting responsibility for acting courageously. And as a result, the godly man becomes a blessing to his family and many others. This means that the ideal of manhood is far from being a quaint, 
a, a, a quiet man who is somewhat tucked in a corner, but it's, he, he's a man who steps up, who steps forward with his faith in God. He's affirmed, and look, not only does he praise God, but he is also praised by God. Now, that's interesting to me, because here, God t- takes delight in his children. You know, uh, when our kids, uh, any of you that have children, when our kids praise us for something that we've done, I can remember uh, a couple of years ago, I, I, the, the boat finally got me up on a slalom ski. And all my kids, they had cheered and cheered and cheered, and I disappointed and disappointed. I drank half the lake. You know, it went down a foot while they were trying to pull me up. I was sick at my stomach. I had some, I was waterlogged and all. But when I finally came out, I remember all my kids going, Daddy, Dad, you know, and they're all jumping up in the boat and cheering and watching me, and I'd go out across the wake, you know, and come back, and I just thought I was the Mac Dad of the Daddy Max. But I loved hearing them praise who? Their daddy. You know, this is how our father is when we praise him. And at the same time, I was going, man, those are my children. Wow, I'm so glad to, to be in front of them. I'm so glad that they can see me at the end of this rope. Right? See, we need to be reminded of the honor and dignity of manhood. We need to be reminded that God takes pleasure in us men for that, for being men. It's okay to be men. See, manhood today is ridiculed in books. It's ridiculed in movies. It's amazing to me how even in the children's movies today, even in, in Bambi, I mean, come on, the dough tastes better than the bucks. Anyway, you didn't get it. It's, it's a men's group. I can say things like that, right? Look, radical feminism would like to destroy masculinity, period. That's where it's at. You know, it's, it's trying to, to feminize men and masculinize women. We were watching uh, as one of the Avengers, I don't know which one, and Wonder Woman was on there, and that lady's tough. I don't want to marry her. Bless God, right? And here's the thing. I think this is one of the contributing factors to society's ills. And, and men, I think we're, we're at a place sometimes where we try to define masculinity by what we're not afraid of. I mean, it's, it's amazing to me of how, how it's been instead of the fear of the Lord, um, we, we are called not to fear at all. And, and so we have this worldly type of fear on us. If we're truthful, probably many of us have, have different types of fear. Some of you are fearful of addictions. You're saying, hey, I can't get around that. I don't want to be around that. It can't be in my presence because I have a genuine fear of it that it might overtake who I am. Some of you uh, men, if, if you're uh, in reality, you know, sometimes we used to say it this way, our mouth is a little bigger than what? That's right. <laughs> Careful there. Let's just use the butt term, all right? But, but because uh, we speak loudly, but we carry a small stick, right? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. There, there is an honest fear, and, and, and men, you are called to be masculine, but a godly masculinity as well. So when I say talk about, when I talk about being masculine, what I'm attempting to say here is that it's important for us to be masculine. It's important for us not to take that away. And look, it's okay for a woman to be feminine. You know, we are not created equal. And in saying that, 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 bite, that sound bite right there may be taken out sometime to, to imprison me. Isn't that something? Because that's the culture we live in. 
someone could listen to this and say, oh my goodness, he said it, and, and, and not only that, he paused afterwards. We can cut that clip out. We're not created equal. We are very different. We're, we're not loved differently as the children of God. I mean, God loves women. He loves men. We know this, but he's created us differently. Now, men, that means that your masculinity, you have to hold on to a godly masculinity. Now, godly masculinity, men, does not mean that we have to be sitting ringside at the boxing match or ringside at the octagon. That's not what it means. As a matter of fact, I think we hail men like that. And let me say, it pulls out something in us that is good. It's not all bad. Because men, look, we were called to be fighters. We were called to be protectors. Now, don't go start a fight today. Uh, the pastor said, shoot, I just want to try it out. I had a man one time I was teaching. This is no joke. I had a man one time I was teaching. I love this guy, man. Some of you, well, I won't, I won't say his name since it's being recorded. But... Uh, he said, Curtis, you know, I, I was All-American free safety for WT, all these, these things that he had done. He said, the one thing I've never done is I've never been in a fight, and I think I can handle myself real well. And so I said, you want to try? And, uh, man, he whooped the tar out of me. But anyway, he could handle himself real well. It's not meaning that. What it means is masculinity a godly masculinity means that, that the protector, protective nature in who we are and who we're supposed to be should always be there. That we should be men willing to take a stand. We should be men who are not afraid of what the world throws at us. Because the world is going to throw things at us. That's all throughout scriptures. Ephesians 6 makes it more than clear that the, the darts of the evil one will come our way. And we are called to stand and to stand firm against those things. That is a godly masculinity to protect our wives, to protect their feminine nature. Not to make them less than, actually what it does is it lifts them up to love our wives as Christ loved the church is a godly masculinity. And what that means is this, is that you realize and you recognize that your life is short, that there is a term limit on this body. You know, the interesting thing about our bodies, men, is this, that is the only vessel that's here on earth that's, that's walking tangibly, touching the earth. Our souls are in here right in some ways they're kind of floating but in our minds they're a little bit twisted they're being renewed i've talked about the difference between the three before with all of you but but here's the thing our bodies are just loaned and men who understand that our bodies are just loaned here for a time then we understand that that during this time we need to do some great things with our bodies and most importantly, we need to take these bodies and love our wives as Christ loved the church. That's godly masculinity. And that's having a genuine fear for the Lord because we understand one day we will stand before him. That's how it works, right? So here's the thing. God made men to be men and he made women to be women. And it's okay for us to be defenders of that very thing. And I said Sunday, it was funny, somebody caught me after church and said, uh, hey man, you, you're probably going to take some flack from that sermon. And I said, well, the argument's with the Word of God. And he was like, yeah, yeah, the argument's with the Word of God. Uh, that's, that's true, but you wrote it. <laughs> I said, that's true, I preached it, okay, I may. But here's the truth, I mean, what's, what's difficult about allowing the Word of God to define who we're supposed to be? That's what men do. And, and we take what we take, and we get what we get, and we move forward. Because, men, I'm going to tell you, God loves us as men. 
And he loves us being fearful, not of the world. I mean, that's, that is a worldly fearfulness. I like to think of the Apostle Paul. When the Apostle Paul was thrown into prison, he praised the Lord. When the Apostle Paul was beaten, when, when the Apostle Paul got bitten by a snake, when the Apostle Paul was shipwrecked, when the Apostle Paul said, hey, throw everything off the ship so that we can continue to float, when, when he was in all of these, these tribulations, he was not fearful for his own life. No, no, he, he, he had a genuine fear of the Lord, and he knew what his call was, but, it, it, but he knew that he was called on to Rome. Even being warned about going to Rome and losing his life, it was okay. Because this body is on loan from God, and when God calls him home, God would call him home. So here's the thing. God condemns some things that we need to see that it's time for us to take a stand and not be fearful in this life to take a stand in opposition to them. In Deuteronomy 22.5, God condemns cross-dressing. <laughs> so men, if y'all like to wear panties, God doesn't like that, all right? Now that's just a funny one, that's an easy one. God upholds and praises the idea of womanhood and so should we, Proverbs 31, just like we started. God looks to, to praise us men who have a genuine fear of Him over any other fear in our life. We're going to stand for the truth for the reason that we have a genuine fear for the Lord. Curtis, what did you do with your life there? Did you try to, to take a spoonful of sugar so the medicine would go down? Did you try to give them a spoonful of sugar with the Word of God? Or did you just preach it for what it is? His Word. You see, Psalm 112, a love psalm. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. God has a commanded blessing. We've been talking about the commanded blessing a little bit over the past couple of weeks. And God has this commanding, commanded blessing, but it's our choice whether or not we stand under it and allow it to flow through us. So here's the thing. You cannot be a godly man without a healthy fear of the Lord. It will never happen. And isn't it interesting in our lives that we're not thinking about our lives being temporary? I used to always say it this way. Uh, I've got three daughters, and to me, they're very, very beautiful. To you, they better not be. But to me, they are very, very beautiful. And, and, what the, and I used to always say this. They said, oh, Curtis... Uh, I've had several people tell me, just wait till they're teenagers. Just wait till they wait till the boys start coming around. You know what my answer was? Simple answer. I'm praying that Jesus will come back before then. Right? We'll just be raptured out and not even have to mess with this. And now uh, one of them's a teenager. And so I have to remember to be a godly father, a protector. And be willing to share my heart with her if I expect her to share her heart with me. A godly fear. I, I like to think of a godly fear this way. That if you compare it to an electrician. An electrician has a, a somewhat of a respect for what? Electricity. Because if he doesn't, he'll learn quickly too. Right Or a lifeguard has a respect for water. They don't avoid it. They highly respect it. So fear, the type of fearing of the Lord that we're talking about here, is not sheer terror. 
It's not walking in life afraid of death. I'm not saying that we shouldn't, shouldn't have some type of genuine fear for death because we want to, to live this life and be as effective as we can for God's kingdom. And that means that we would stay here as long as we can and be effective for his kingdom. But we also should have a healthy fear, not of sheer terror, but a healthy fear of just standing in front of him. It's not the kind of fear that makes you run away. In fact, here's the thing. The man in his fear, the man in his fear of God greatly delights in God's commands. Now, my children, when they come home, they know the rules of the house. I mean, even before they leave the house in the morning, there's some expectations that we have of them. One is that not only do they get up and wake up, but what do you think the first thing we, we have them do before uh, they do anything else? Right. Make your bed. Now, that's a rule. That's a command in our household. Now, you may say, well, that's kind of ridiculous. I mean, who makes... You need to make your bed. <laughs> I'm just saying it's just healthy, okay? I don't want to lose you right now. But are they fearful of their dad? Absolutely not. I mean, I don't go around and inspect the bed. I, well, let me take that back. I used to, right? Because as you're teaching in those, you know, 45-degree angles are very important to somebody who was in the military. But uh, I don't check them that way, all right, guys? I mean, two, uh, I mean, two of them are on bunk beds. And so, so what do we do? We, 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 there, there's, there's a genuine fear that, hey, uh, it's better for me to live in my dad's commands, right? But my love for them will never perish. It will never vanquish. It will always be there. I'll never take house off the back of their jersey. I love them. And they know that. They climb in my lap at night. I have an opportunity to pray for them. Those types of things. Here, God, a, a godly man will take the lights and God's commands not out of fear. Oh, no, I broke one of those commands. No, but out of love because I love to be in his presence. I love what he stands for. I love that he has parameters on my life because they protect me. It's kind of like the fear Moses had at the burning bush. Remember when Moses comes up to a burning bush and the bush isn't being consumed, and what does the Lord say? He says, Moses. <laughs> that'll get your attention you know uh the most sacred thing a man has is his name well that's a good one i read that here a while back and thought i'm gonna hang on to that that's why if we can remember one another's names in here this is a big group but if we can rem remember one another's names in here it means so much to people think about that and just carry that with you that's just something i found in my pocket thought i'd give it to you right but he he's told moses and then then he says the ground, remove your sandals, for the ground that you are standing on is what? Holy ground. You are in my presence. There's a genuine fear, but Moses didn't run. Moses found himself there in the presence of God. Isaiah. Isaiah finds himself in the presence of God, and he says, Woe is me, a man of unclean lips. You know, in other words, what am I doing here? Lord, you've heard what I've spoken. You, you know the type of man I am. And, and, and a seraphim comes down, right, and whoosh, cleanses his lips. And he says, Whom shall I send? And all of a sudden, he's empowered, and he says, Oh, here I am, Lord, send me. I'll take a stand. This is who I am. This is what I'm about. 
right? John, in, in the island of Patmos, the scripture makes it clear that what? He's caught up. My kids asked me that question last night. Dad, have you ever seen heaven? I said, sure, I saw y'all born. That was the question they asked last night. I said, I don't know. And, and, and I said, they said, well, is there anybody that's seen heaven you know, in, in this, and I said, well, let's just look at the scriptures. So we talked about the Mount of Transfiguration. We talked about, uh, you know, a couple of, I, I talked about Enoch. I talked about uh, different ones that, that had seen heaven, and John is, is one of those. And also Paul, I said, you know, Paul was caught up into the third heaven. And they're like, there's three heavens? That's awesome, Dad. What are they? And then I was like, I don't know. Now you will plumb out of my sphere, right? But, uh, but, but here's the thing, right? We, we know this, that, that John, he was caught up and able to, to see into the heavenlies. But he didn't run from that. He did fall down and he was lifted up and said, hey, he was commanded, write these things down, right? So, so that others can see it as well. So, so Moses didn't run from the bush. Isaiah didn't run from God. John didn't run from the glorified Christ. What did they do? They prostrated themselves in front of God. They were humble and they worshiped. Man, I think this is important for us to learn this morning that we've got to humble ourselves. A, fear, a fearful man of God is a man who is humble before him. That's really the fear that's being talked about here in Psalm 112. It's a humble fear. It, it includes the idea of reverence, of respect and honor. See, the lack of fear is a, is a roadblock to several things. I, I said this as we came in here. Proverbs 1, 7, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So uh, a, a genuine fear of the Lord is the beginning of this wisdom, but fools will despise it. Proverbs 9, 10, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's, it's found right there again. You can't grow in wisdom without a genuine fear of the Lord. But if you don't fear the Lord, if you don't have a genuine humility about you in front of God, then it's going to be hard for you to gain in knowledge and in wisdom. The opposite is true there. Happiness, fulfillment, and meaning. You see, Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Fear God, keep his commandments, and this is the whole man. I had to to learn the hard way here, tried to find meaning without God. Uh, I tried to find meaning in, in happiness, in, in fulfillment. I, I've been there, men. I've tried to find happiness in money, in things. And, and, and instead of having things over a period of time, the things wound up having me. I, I love this about God because he talks far more about joy being a part of the kingdom than he ever mentions happiness, by the way. <laughs> happiness is very temporary if you want to know the difference. The lack of fear is a roadblock to several things. It's a roadblock to God. God opposes the proud, but he does what? He gives grace to the humble. Without a humble fear, we put self at odds with God. Healthy fear of God is foundational. Healthy fear of God is foundational to being a godly man. Listen, healthy fear of God is foundational to being a godly man. Next week, I'm going to be talking about a godly man accepts responsibility. But I think the first thing that we talk about this week is this very thing of, of having a healthy fear of the Lord. Because not only is it the beginning of wisdom, it's also showing those around us that we're not afraid of them. 
That's, we're not called to be afraid of other men. Sometimes you're, you're called to stand in front of men who are bigger, who are stronger, who are tougher, who are faster, who are better fighters. But you're still called to take a stand. And guess what? There are women that are half their, their size, but twice as bold that will try to convince you that your masculinity doesn't belong. And I've seen too many men cower down to that as well. Look, we're called to stand. We shouldn't be afraid of, of other men, of cultures, of societies. We should be afraid. We should have a genuine fear of one, and his name is Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We fear the Lord, and we become wise, and we're able to minister in the short amount of time that we have here on this earth. Father God, thank you for these men as we go through our questions. Father, bring to light what a godly fear really looks like. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>